0: A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. Hey y'all, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution. Oh, I've never said y'all before at the beginning of this. Anyways, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin Garcia. I'm from the South, and I say y'all. (laughs) Y'all. Anyways, welcome to episode 57. I am so excited about this conversation today. I think this one is going to be one of my top favorite conversations for a long time, and when you listen to it, you'll know why. It was basically just like a full-blown kiki, sitting down with uh, Austin Channing Brown to talk about her new book, to talk about being uh, a black woman in America, talking about the intersections of liberation for queer folks and people of color. Ugh, oh, it is juicy, my friend, and I think you're you're gonna get a, so much out of it. I hope you do. And if you don't, you need to check your pulse, because it's that good. Um, but before I get into talking about Austin, I want to express a lot of gratitude before I get into it. Don't worry, I won't be too verbose. Um, for a long time, I have been... Oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional. Uh I'm okay. Um, I have been doing creative work um, pretty much part-time. Um, Just when I could scrape together time and and money and energy to do this stuff. And I feel like I'm finally getting to a place in my career where that's no longer the case. It's pretty much um, part-time. I have 20 hours a week that I'm working at a yoga studio now. Not working at a restaurant no mo. We're moving up in the world. Not that there's anything wrong with working in a restaurant industry, but it was exhausting for me. And so to move to a space that is uh, a lot more peaceful, zen, if you will has been a really positive thing and not to mention it has freed up so much time for me to pour into my creative work. So now that I've finished transitioning out of that last job into this new position, I'm able to pour into my creative work. And not only that, you guys have risen to the challenge of supporting this work. Like, it's not just me doing this. It is the 97 people on Patreon who are supporting me every single month with $1 and $2 and $5. It's the people who follow me on Twitter who give me so much encouragement. It's the 2,000 subscribers, which I can't believe that I've got 2,000 subscribers now on my blog, who write to me and tell me that this work is doing something for them. (laughs) I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm not crying I'm I'm so emotional right now but it's so good I just I just really need to say thank you to every single person who listens whether you're a regular listener or not whether you are a supporter or not um, I feel so blessed which sounds like such a cliche word but I'm so blessed to be somebody who gets to create things on the internet and share my life with you I'm so thankful for the people who write in and tell me that what I'm doing is making a difference because it gives me um, A lot more focused and it reminds me that um, the work of liberation is not done, y'all. We're not free until we're all free, right? Um, So I just want to say a big thank you to all of you who have stuck with me thus far and who are joining me on the journey now. Uh, Thank you. All right. I am done being weepy and emotional. Not that there's anything wrong with being weepy and emotional, but I'm sure you want to hear the conversation more than you want to hear me weep. Or maybe you do want to hear me weep because you're one of those people who gets off on other people's sadness or... Not that I'm sad. Anyways, um, let's jump in to talking about my friend Austin Channing Brown. Um, Oh gosh, like, this bio doesn't even do her justice. She's everything, y'all. But I'll go ahead and read her bio just so we can, like, you know, make it formal. Austin is a freelance writer and speaker with a particular focus on black womanhood and faith. She is working on her first book, which is going to be released May 2018, honey, which is this month. Her writing can be found in Sojourners Magazine, Relevant Magazine, Mutuality Magazine, and other places on the web. She also wrote a column called Wild Hope for Today's Christian Women, which is still accessible to readers. Passionate about racial justice and reconciliation, Austin travels the country preaching and teaching about the ways this work intersects with Christian faith. Austin attended North Park University, where she earned a degree in business management. She also has a master's degree in social justice from Mary Grove College in Detroit, Michigan. Since earning her master's, Austin has worked with nonprofits, churches, parachurch ministries, and universities both in urban and suburban contexts for the advancement of racial justice and reconciliation. Most recently, she served as a resident director and multicultural liaison at Calvin College. There, she was able to work with and learn from millennials for three years as they navigated college life. Austin misses living in Chicago, Illinois, but she's uh, making Grand Rapids her home right now. She is married to her friend Tommy and adores her infant son and little puppy. And I just adore her um, so much. So, Austin, thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you for having this time. And, yeah. If you don't already have something to drink in your hand, you're going to want some. If you're listening to this late night at home or something, grab yourself a glass of wine, because that's what I was drinking at the time, I think. Because um, it's, it's seriously one of those delightful, fun conversations that's so playful and joy-filled. Um, I'm done talking now. Sit down, shut up, grab a friend, send this to your mama. You're about to get a dose of reality with Austin Channing Brown.
1: shut
0: up i'm so serious like i i read it i started reading it on the way to chicago and then i got through like 10 chapters and then i read the rest of it on the plane right back
1: i love that so much and
0: i have like marked it up to all the gods and um some of the comments i have are the highlights of saying oh yeah i relate to that and then as i'm reading other things like the stories you're telling, I just say, well, holy shit. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, so I would say if I were to give this a review, it would be three words and it is fuck me up. It is so good.
2: (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
0: So before I gush more about your book, if you could tell people, like, if someone doesn't know who you are, what would be, like, the, the cocktail story you would tell them at the party about, like, who you are, what you do, what you're about and, like, where you're going?
1: Oh God, I am a nobody who just really loves to talk about race. (laughs) That is, I am no one important. I hold no, um, you know, official job. I work for myself. (laughs) I work for Jesus.
2: Yes,
1: (laughs) you know, Um, but I really, really do enjoy diving into the muddiness of race and racial justice. And so that's what I do. And then once I think I've figured something new out, then I write about it.
0: Dope. And here we are with your new book. Here we are. I'm still here.
1: I wrote a few things.
0: Yeah, just a couple of things. Just a few. Uh, So um, hardest part of writing the book, what was it?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I was pregnant When I was writing.
0: Oh, that's right. Cause you have the letter to your son in there.
1: Mm -hmm. So, um, truthfully being pregnant was the hardest
0: part. Growing (laughs) another human inside your person was
1: hard. Yeah. while I was like trying to write and think and have like manage my brain cells.
2: Yeah.
1: It was rough. Um, I was really nauseous in the first part of my pregnancy. So that was rough. And then once the nausea finally passed, um, then I could like feel him. So there was like a foot in my rib cage or I had to go to the bathroom every five minutes, which is not helpful when you're trying to write. You know what I'm saying?
0: Highly inconvenient. I would imagine.
1: Highly inconvenient.
0: Thanks a lot. Small baby.
1: Sheesh. So rude. I know. Um, so yeah, but with all sincerity, it's being pregnant and trying to write a book by far the hardest things I've ever done.
0: I don't think I'll try it anytime soon.
1: I don't recommend it. I'll be honest. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Although, like, sometimes I think about just, like, if I could get pregnant, would I? Because I think it could be kind of cool. But...
1: Oh, I made the decision a year before I got pregnant. Because I, I, w- I am not the girl who grew up with, like, I can't wait to be mommy. That was I... not my story. Mm-mm. No. I wasn't sure I wanted to do it until I got pregnant. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, in the book you also this can be as formal or as informal as you want i tend to slam towards this. i just tend yeah. to like i like to to jaw and just like cut up and be fun I'm um having a good while having a good time and also just like touching on a few things that are like important i guess sure if we um, must if we must um okay well let me ask you this the concept of right of writing this book in this is like, it's a collection of stories that you've lived through um right. both as a young child and realizing um that you are a black woman in the world right. after being surrounded by so much white people and whiteness in general to um becoming someone who's working in like christian non-profit land and mm-hmm. all the bullshit of christian nonprofit profit land and whiteness in there and so then also bringing it into the present of not just like how it affects us in christian circles but right. how is this affecting people in communities especially in um uh, lower lower income areas or poorer areas right. in in inner city right. areas. Um, how did you? I mean, damn, there's some poetic writing in here.
1: No, thank you.
0: Like I wrote at some of those, I was just like, like the the last couple pages, I was just like, damn. Like that
1: makes me so happy. It's... If everyone who reads this just wants to curse at the end, that is like gold. <laughs> like really, that is like gold.
0: Yeah, it was just um, I don't know. Like, what what was the what was like the first spark that brought about this book?
1: You know what? Truthfully, I really wanted to write this book probably four or five years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and publishers didn't want it.
0: Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I can I imagine so. There's like we have a black president; it's fine. We don't need this book. <laughs> right.
1: Not only that, but I mean, it was before Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It was before Tanahasi Coates. Mm-hmm. It was before you know. Um, it was just like pre, our current conversation on race.
0: Yeah, we were still you out know there using ra- racial reconciliation as a big word. Do you
1: know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And 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 I would say that most memoirs, in order to make it back then, had to have like a. Uh, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, or I had a near-death experience, or... You know, like, there had to be some, like, big, Mm -hmm. overarching story or some huge climax in the memoir, and that has since changed. And so, yeah, five years ago, people were like,
0: eh. They're just like, wait, so you have, like, a hard time at work? That doesn't sound... Right! (laughs) Everyone has hard times, Austin. (laughs) You were born with a boy name. Everyone's born with a boy name sometimes. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the exact reaction though. And then, so I had a terrible time trying to write proposals mm-hmm. um, because I was like, well, what book should I write? And eventually my, my people were like, didn't you have a book that you wanted to write? Like what happened to that one? Mm-hmm. And I had just completely tossed it. Cause so I was like, nobody's going to want it. No one's, you know, mm-hmm. no one's interested. But this was the right moment, and it turns out people are interested. Kevin, who knew?
0: Yeah, I mean, I am. It's really good. <laughs> I think the thing I loved most about it is because I saw I saw you your conversation at Why Christian like discussing yes! the book. Yes, yes, it yes. So delightful and delicious and wonderful, and I was probably but this is something like, I'm definitely like Pentecostalish in my roots. And so yeah. I was probably the person from the second row just shouting, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> come on, come
1: on." Which I need in my life. Please talk back to me.
0: Yes, like,
1: <laughs> like the white the white silence thing. Though I know it's often rooted in respect, it just like freaks me out. I'm I like, can't are do you it. Me yeah, me? Are you, can you like give me feedback? Like, <laughs>
0: like, can I, just is anybody a witness? Can I get a witness from my lord? <laughs> Who will be a witness? bueller i okay so my first speaking gig ever i was up in uh i don't remember where it was like the northernmost city in pennsylvania like on the border of canada you could walk across the ice lake and get to canada Sweet. and i am not a penguin i am not built for the cold um and so i show up trying to look cute and all this stuff and i'm doing a talk on like sexual assault awareness and prevention uh to greek life students Mm-hmm. and so I walk in there, I talk about my own experience with sexual assault, I talk about seeing the humanity in another, I talk about toxic masculinity, and mm-hmm. um, and I told him at the very beginning, I said, y'all, I come from a Baptist background, so like when the preacher's doing okay, you need to say something. So right. So can, let me hear you say, mm-hmm, and I go, mm-hmm, I'm like, no, I didn't hear you. I was like, mm-hmm. No,
1: nope. try it again, try it again.
0: <laughs> and then like I pulled, like I went like full, like Pentecostal Rachel Held Evans, and I looked at this one woman, and I said, woman of valor, and no one said anything. I'm like,
2: oh no!
0: And I'm just like, let me try that again. And then I got an amen out of them. I'm just like, come on, guys. I've been with y'all for 45 minutes and none of y'all.
1: Not... I know. God bless their little hearts.
0: Yeah, bless their hearts. That's what we say down here.
1: <laughs> That's what I heard.
0: Where do you Where do you live again?
1: I live in Michigan, love. Oof. Oof. No. I don't know. Talk about the cold. Yeah. Let That's it go.
0: I... That's what I said to that.
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> just pray for me just pray for me
0: yeah may the lord be a fire that keeps you warm and guides your path. <laughs> jesus be jesus be a heating lamp for you
1: let it be so
0: mm. okay um so the thing you did say at your talk at white christian because i remember why i was saying uh, that mm-hmm. um is that you wrote a love letter to like black women everywhere and uh just as a way of saying like listen, I see the struggle and I think what is so beautifully beautifully done in this book is that you let other people see I'm sorry I'm getting emotional thinking about this, but you let other people see into your very real very delicate, very um taxing experiences and um, does it feel sometimes uh I don't know, does it feel, like, uh, hard to share this kind of vulnerable stuff on such, like, a big platform like this?
1: A lot of the stories that I've told in the book are stories that I've been telling for a long time. Mm. Um, or they're stories that I had already written about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, you know, Charleston. Um, yeah. y- you know, there they they were things that, you know, you feel like fire shut up in your bones, you know, mm-hmm. like it's happening and you just, I gotta get it out. Um, so there were, so I want to be honest and say that there were many parts that even though I tried to write about them the way I felt when I experienced them, mm-hmm. I no longer carry that same level of emotion about them, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my writing process was really trying to tap into how I felt then, Mm. What did it feel like to go through that? What was shocking about it? What was confusing? I feel like confusion is maybe a dominant theme in this book. <laughs> it's like, is like this, like the, is this really happening? Moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this, is this really happening? Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, did they ask that? Right? <laughs> is she, she really say... looking for my hair? Like, is this? I like, this still can't believe that. Mom. When
0: I read that, I said, uh. Uh-uh.
1: Oh my gosh, it happens so often. I don't understand it. There are lots of things that I just think, I thought we, I thought we finished this like 10 years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I thought we got rid of colorblind language
2: mm-hmm.
1: like 15 years ago. Like I didn't realize this was still a thing that we are teaching. Same thing with touching a black woman's hair. I didn't realize, have we not told all the white people yet? Do all the white people not know that you should not reach and touch anybody's hair?
0: And if you're what not, can we? we, can we...
1: Yeah,
0: and maybe we can just send them uh, the second track of Solange's "Cranes in the Sky." Don't touch my hair. Ugh. Do we
1: just need to like play it in all the superstores? Like I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have
0: to do. <laughs> just like take
1: like, it... I don't get it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry. No. Way off topic. No, keep going. So. Yes, I um but there were a handful of things that were emotional for me to okay. write. And I really had to separate I had to separate what was personally um difficult um my own bitterness <laughs>
2: mm.
1: <laughs> my own do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my own hurt around some of those stories and really tease out what a lot of marginalized folks experience,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but then add back in the emotion, right? (laughs) So not make it about bitterness, not make it about revenge, not make it about getting back at someone, um, you know, but to, to make it about all of us, but add in the specific emotion Mm -hmm. that I know I went through.
0: That, okay. If that was your goal that you accomplished that. Oh, because as I was reading this book, I, I had so many moments like as a, as a, as a queer person, yeah. Like working in churches and getting things, getting my experience explained away, getting yes. my expertise discounted, getting uh, yes. people like wanting to use my gifts until it came to like actually using me as a person, like
1: yes,
0: over and over and over again. Like that's the same thing that happened or like, you know, telling people like, Hey, this, this hurts what you're doing hurts. And then yes. nobody just, and everyone just like, well, you just need to forgive.
1: Woo! Lord have mercy. Just be more gracious.
0: Yeah, just be more loving. Just
1: be more loving. You need to open your heart.
0: Yeah. They have good intentions.
1: They have good intentions.
0: That yeah. one. That one that one always gets me. Is like um across the board where it's usually just like straight cis white people. Um who especially straight cis white male pastors who do this thing where I don't know if like they accidentally lie or they're not like aware of their ability to accidentally lie. <laughs> just like, no, this is a safe place for you. This is a safe church. We welcome everybody. We're very committed to diversity. And then when you try to say, "Hey, that's not how this thing works," they're just like, "I just feel like you just need to. I want to listen to more stories." If I have to tell one more white pastor my story, another male <laughs> Another male pastor my story. I'm just like, <laughs> I put it on YouTube for a reason, Barbara.
1: Here's the link. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I think that that was like the thing you did so incredibly well is, and I did, I, as I was reading through it, I was like, I, I'm like, I see so much of myself in this story. And then I was like, but this is not my story. It's this so is a story of a black woman. But then.
1: Happy. No, that makes me so, so happy because Um, one, I am still learning about race Mm -hmm. and racial justice. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of folks think that if you're born as a person of color and black in particular, that you've just like always been woke. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. no, I had to like read books. I had to, I had to question teachers, Mm -hmm. question curriculum, question theology, like I have like this has been a lot of work.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? And um and I'm still learning the connections between marginalized bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So um and I spend a lot of time thinking about black women, right? That's that's what I live and I feel like there have been so many lies that I feel like I'm still digging out from under, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's not an excuse to not then make the connection to other folks. And so to hear you say that you connected um, with this book means a lot to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I did. I loved it. Like, I... It's so good. Like, you did a damn good thing over here.
1: Um, I Make me cry.
2: <laughs> I'm
1: so
0: that's over here i mean like you like this was like it was so much like of a like i related to it so much and then it like it was a skip for me it felt like scales falling off my eyes for like trying to even catch a glimpse of what a black woman in america and especially a black woman in a white church experiences yeah yeah um i i wanted to ask something please do um uh i'm looking at the story we tell middle of the book and it's something I noted and just like uh highlighted and asked a question, was it intentional? Um, but I noticed that uh and maybe this is something that I haven't really like thought about too much before, but I noticed how the capitalization of black, as in just like it says, uh the reason we have not told the truth about the history of black capitalized B and white America, lowercase w is telling an ordered story of this nation that would finally mean uh naming America's commitment to a violent abusive, exploitive, immoral white supremacy and continues but and I think the thing that I noticed and this is it because of like whiteness not being a race, whiteness being this construct whiteness being this thing that is not celebrating anybody's ethnic or uh, racial diversity but it is it is something that was created to get rid of diversity
1: you got it, you got it and I can't believe of all the millions of podcast interviews I have done, you are the first person to even notice, or at least to bring it up. Maybe other people noticed and didn't want to touch it. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was very, very intentional. So the every place where blackness could be a stand-in for the phrase African-American,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I capitalized the B. Mm-hmm. And any place where I mean blackness is just like not white, mm-hmm. then it's a lowercase b. Okay. Or if it's um, something that gets attributed to African-Americans but isn't real. So, like, black-on-black crime mm-hmm. is not capitalized because it's not a real thing. So mm-hmm. even though folks mean African-Americans, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I'm not capitalizing that because, yeah. <laughs> because it's whack. That's why I'm not capitalizing that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was very, very subtle but an intentional desire to give dignity to blackness. Mm-hmm. Um and to say that blackness is as important as African American or Asian American or, you know, all these words that we would capitalize. Mm-hmm. Um, blackness is often a very specific culture.
2: Yeah.
1: Um the fact that I can't name a specific country <laughs> in Africa doesn't mean that I can't capitalize who I am. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. I just thought that was was like, I just thought it was like, I think I found an Easter egg in here.
1: You totally did.
0: I feel very, uh, I feel top of the class.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. You get an A.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Um, Trying to, I have so many highlights that I could like, go in here. Um, There are two things, because who knows how long we'll go on either one of them. I was a uh, nice in the chapter nice white people you tell a story about mm-hmm. how um after after talking on a stage about your experiences and calling out white supremacy um it came the confession of the white people of just like I hurt my cousin's racist and I don't call him out on it and et cetera et cetera ew
1: do you know how tired I am of hearing white folks confessions <laughs> the the white the white guilt confessions i have heard so many confessions oh my lord
0: you even and then at the end of it you said i am not a priest for the white soul i was like
1: damn i'm not i cannot absolve you of your sin And to hear the confession really does, in some ways, transports me into a story that I wasn't a part of. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, I wasn't at the table when your grandfather made the racist remark. Mm. You don't need to apologize to me for that. You should probably apologize to the people who were at the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But don't put me at your fictional table (laughs) and then apologize for not saying something. You could still go say something. It's not too late.
0: Yeah. You're not. You're not.
1: This is fixable.
0: I think it's one of those things where just like the way I relate to it is when people come up to me and say, um, that like that's like you know, I had a gay cousin or something like that, and I wasn't kind to him at one point, or like there was a lesbian couple at our church, and like we didn't let them actually join the church, and
1: right, and you're like, what do I do with this? And
0: I'm like, oh, that's what I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because I don't want to say that's okay, because it's not okay.
1: Exactly, because it's not okay.
0: And, but don't you
1: feel like that's what they're looking for? They're looking for like, like, oh, you're all right. I don't know what they're. What are they looking for? It's. I think
0: it's. Um. Uh, Dr. Cheryl Anderson calls it the mythical norm or the myth of the, like this mythical norm where just like, uh, perfection looks like uh white, uh, cis male affluent. And so everyone's trying to be in relation to that. And so when you, um, when you challenge that, when you challenge the mythical norm that says like, this is, this is status quo. When you say, Mm -hmm. no, actually that's not normal. That's just normative. Mm -hmm. Um, it causes people to do one of two things, either double down on the fact that they, they're the nice, they're the nice person, nice white, straight person, or then I'm the nice Christian. I'm not a bigot. Mm -hmm. I'm not racist.
1: Mm -hmm. We've heard all those.
0: And, um, and I think when like you, when we're able to share our stories and actually hits home for somebody, right? Um, there's still this sort of, I think, a lack of, a lack of like wanting to follow through. Just like, it's like, I now understand because I've heard this story that something is now required of me. Right. Um, and so because something is required of me, um, it's almost like if I can get this absolution from this marginalized individual, maybe right. the, the work won't be as hard.
1: Right.
0: You know, like maybe just like, it was just, it's okay. I'm friends with Kevin. I'm friends with Austin. And they yeah. said, they said it's okay. They it's said, all I'm good, okay. okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cheryl, that the, the work on the mythical norm is something that was like revolutionary for me to start to hear and like read through. Um, my own experiences, and also just like how I read the Bible too. It's genius. Mm,
1: stuff. Okay, I have to go pick it up.
0: Yeah, I think. Um. Oh, I'll I'll send I'll text you the name of the uh the book after this. That'd be great. Um, but that one, if you ever get a chance to see Cheryl Cheryl Anderson uh, do a lecture, she teaches at Garrett Theological Seminary.
1: Oh. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. But she's brilliant. Brilliant. Like she's not. She's not. Uh, she's from uh, the UMC world, and so White. anytime she she teaches, though, even if she's not preaching, even if she's just teaching, a shout from the back I of the love room.
1: That oh, I love that. I love voices who can help me make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just there's something very freeing about being able to name what we're experiencing, mm-hmm. and I think for a long time, you know. But for me, I, I can't speak for other people, but I know for me, before college, like college was when I first started to like hear the words like white privilege and, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I've been experiencing all these things for such a long time, but now I have language yeah. around it, you know? And then
0: you don't feel crazy anymore. It's, it's exactly. not it's no longer a phenomenon in and of itself. Right.
1: Yeah. It's such a gift. It's such a gift to be able to name our own experience.
0: Yeah. And I think develop, like, we're still in many ways, I think, in the process of developing language for um, the various ways that we're experiencing life in the world with marginalized identities. Yes. Because, like, it's it's like, you know, much like white supremacy, like, evolves into, like, different forms all over the place. Um, it's, uh, it's like, um, who was it at Why Christian who literally said white supremacy is killing the church?
1: Oh, um, I do remember this moment, but I don't remember whose voice, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> uh,
0: it's not, I can, rem, I can, I can picture her name, but I just can't remember how to pronounce it.
1: Oh, got it. Was it Tujina?
0: Yes, yeah, Tujina. Okay. Yeah. Yes. She just.
1: Phew. Yeah, she did. She laid it all out there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing like, that binds this all up together is not, and I think just like binds our oppression all up together is the mythical norm Mm -hmm. of like what white supremacy tries to perpetuate of just like, this is what it looks like to be a human, just like the, the,
1: I totally, totally agree. And that's why this book was so important for me. One to not just name white supremacy, but to name the dignity of blackness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like, and I'm still learning how to do this, even when I give talks or lectures or whatever. Um, for me, it's no longer enough to just name white supremacy, though important as it is and as much mm-hmm. as I need it. I also need us to come back to what is good and true and beautiful and human mm-hmm. about marginalized bodies, yes. right? So not just um, not just not bad, but good) mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and i would say not just good but like what the creator calls which is very good
1: very good right mm-hmm. and i feel like we're not having that conversation enough about all marginalized mm. bodies right mm. so fairness not just not bad right mm. <laughs> it just, and
2: and
0: i think and, there's so many times And I think it's also like proximity to whiteness and maleness that does this too. But there's so many, especially in Christian circles, um, people who like, they just get on the page with like one thing it's she's like, I'm okay with my gay friends. And then they stop there. Right. Or like, I think black lives matter, but women being equal, I don't know. It... (laughs) You know what I'm saying though? I
1: totally understand. And I... I have a very difficult time understanding how folks can live in the disconnection.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You no, know, I, I really There's do... like a gap in their logic. That's what it makes it feel yeah. like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. I don't even know what else to say about that, Kevin. I just... And there's still so many things that I don't understand and so many things that I'm learning. And just mm. like you said, um, just as there are things that you totally identified with and things that you're like, holy shit, mm. right? That's, the, that's how I feel all the time about queerness, where I'm like, yep, got it. I, that makes complete sense to me. Been there. And then there are other things that I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That is no longer allowed. Like, at one point, that was allowed to say to black folks, but that was that was okay to do to black folks. But if somebody did that to me today, they would have a lawsuit, but mm-hmm. not so for folks who are queer, you know? And mm-hmm. so yeah. The specific Oh the specific and the shared. There's so much. Mm-hmm. There's just so much.
0: <laughs> so much. You know that's like face you know that you know <laughs> so that nice. gi- you know that jiff of that girl who's just like late she's like i'm gonna take a nap she's just like lying down on the beach it's like i'm gonna take a nap here that's how it feels like some days i'm just like i can't i'm, I'm gonna take a nap right here
1: i'm a big fan of naps it's a ho- I often my day over i'm just like no we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit the reset button
0: yeah rest is a holy thing so i mean I mean like if I was on the seventh day I'm just like if I can't get it on a full day, that's twenty four hours of napping I could take, gotta space it out in the week. That's, <laughs> that's theologically sound, right? Let me Dr. Cher <laughs> Dr. Cheryl Anderson, if you're listening, please don't don't at me, girl. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: That's serious.
0: Um I wanna shift to to another thing in the book that was super relatable to me um about creative anger that you quoted from sister outsider by audrey Lorde.
1: yes god bless audrey
0: Lorde. i for christmas um uh someone got me actually sister outsider like the collection i'm just like y'all know me you really do
1: like you see me i'm just
0: like i right? know none of y'all family members are ever gonna read this but thank you
1: <laughs> for seeing <laughs> me <laughs>
0: And that's also something interesting, like, um, so in our family lineage, we have Filipino and indigenous Mexican and okay. Dutch Irish from my mother's side. Um, but because my father was, uh, military, uh, we became American. We became, and so like, we lost like our Spanish because even though it was my dad's first language, we lost all of our Spanish. We didn't really connect with any of our Brown family out West. I see. And so anyways, but like, uh it's so interesting like me being on my journey with my racial identity and then them not like because because like I, I'm i the only queer member of my family and I often wonder I'm just like if I was not queer would I have interrogated anything else and so that's why I thank God every single day that I'm a queer human
1: wow that's incredible that's that's something um, just I in... hadn't interrogated my queerness would I be wow Woo. There it is. I think I, I think I even still am um, am st- uh, st- uh, how do I say this? I think I still sometimes underestimate or I am surprised by, it. maybe that's it. I still get surprised by um the weight of the discovery of our own identity. Mm. Um,
0: Dang, that's a good one.
1: You know, because... I'm sorry, Kevin, I'm having trouble wrapping language around this. Um, Like, we know our names, we know who our family is, you know, we have all these labels, either the, the good kid or the funny kid or the kid with the good grades or the whatever, right? Like, we spend so much time sort of thinking about identity and then when we get to sort of race, gender, sexuality to still be learning. Yeah. You know, about who we are and who we were mm-hmm. and who we could be. Um, it's, it's really holy. Yes. It's really holy work.
0: It really is. And I think that at least this is what like I have been learning in like my own personal journey this past, I think few years. Um, Well, I think about this just like, I came out two and a half years ago. And the thing Mm -hmm. I remarked from the very beginning of it is like, I have never been closer with God than I am now. I have never felt more connected with the divine. I've never felt more connected with my own spiritual walk or, um, or like the family of God, to be honest.
1: Wow. And
0: so it's like, and the clo- and the thing about it is like all of this is in relation to like a journey of self discovery, yeah. And like if I can figure out who the, who God made this person to be in this body, right, right, and then it's like that self knowledge is of like the ways in which I am wonderful and the ways in which I'm a really shitty human. Like <laughs>
2: totally. <laughs>
0: it's like if I can if I can say like I know that the best version of myself doesn't live in you know my pettiness on twitter right. my most creative self maybe <laughs> but not my, um i love that but you know what i'm saying it's just like there's like all these like re- versions of like wanting to be like the best version of ourself and it comes from the self-knowledge of our, the best version of ourself which is the person god created to be and so the closer mm-hmm. you are to god it, it means the closer you are to yourself and that's not just so important and then also once you, and the thing is like once you recognize God in you, yeah, you can really see God in you. You can see God in everybody else. And when you see right. God, and when you see God in everybody else, again, once you have, once you know better, you do better.
1: And I think that fuels the anger, yeah. right? So to then see somebody else being demeaned mm-hmm. isn't just like, oh, that's my that's my friend, and or oh, that's my brother, or oh, that's. You know, the um, the infamous, you know, I have a daughter or, you know what I mean, right? I'm not like, sexist, I have a
0: daughter. That. You I'm
1: know not, what I mean? Like, I'm not sexist, I have
0: a, a lady wife.
1: A lady wife, right? <laughs> and um, you don't you don't need that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you don't need the the relationship. You don't need the, the particular connection. Mm-hmm. All you need is that person is created in the image of the divine.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: That's it. That's all I need. That's all I need. How dare you yes. call what God has made good? You know? Yeah. How dare you?
0: Yeah. Do not call unclean what I have made clean, honey.
1: Listen.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: that fuels and that fuels the anger, right? Mm-hmm. Out of which then our creativity can flow.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where it starts. And I think so oftentimes, like we as marginalized identity, we always get told to you're you're too angry. The way the way you're saying it is is not helpful. You're mm-hmm. and then rather than like getting our shit recognized, we are told um you're being divisive. Um, you're not Ooh, you're not contributing or... to, to unity in the body, and unity is more important than anything. And I'm like, but at whose expense? You know, and,
1: and, that, and, and unity that's, and that's you for named. what? Unity towards what? What are we being unified towards? Mm. Right? Like, (laughs) we're being silent. We're maybe being polite. We're maybe, right? Like, there may be some things that we're being, but unified isn't one of them unless you can tell me what we're being unified for. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What are we, what are we, what are we united? Against what are we right? What are we standing for? What are we? What is happening here? Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like the, it's like the question Twitter always asks me at the very top and i on my desktop says, "What's happening?" And I'm like, <laughs> you know, brilliant question. Every day. what's happening? What is happening? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's real talk. We and I think ask
1: the church what is happening.
0: And that's something that like gets me so like really pissed off. It was like, they, it's like if you're not like my thing is just like if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Mm, like that's, that's what I'm
1: talking about.
0: Yeah, and that's I just what I'm talking about that's, it, I really, <laughs> I just want people to be like good humans to each other, and like I don't think it's that hard, but you know, um. <laughs>
1: This is why it makes me so upset when Christians are just like, um, we just need to love each other. Mm -hmm. We just need to be more loving. Love trumps hate. You know, I'm like, if your love is inconsequential, you can keep it. Mm -hmm. If if your love makes no difference in my life, if your love does not equate Mm -hmm. to you being angry on my behalf, If your love doesn't equate to advocating for me, Mm -hmm. if your love doesn't equate to changing policy so that I feel dignified, if your love doesn't include sitting at that dining room table and saying that there will be no racist conversations tonight, like if that's not what your love includes, you can have it.
0: Mm -hmm. And the thing that uh, so many pastors will do to marginalized folk all the time is want them to come in and then like, I just want to love on you. I want to love on you. And, like, you say you love me and then you betray me again and again and again. And that's not called love. That is called an abusive relationship.
1: Mm, Say that.
0: I have had too many pastors in my life do this to me where it's just like, we love you. We think your voice is important. Like, we really want you to be a part of this community. And then... But do you? Do
2: you? But,
0: like, you, you sing come as you are. But who is who I am? Literally, like... I like any time a church says like just sings any sort of version of "Come as You Are," I'm just like, y'all think
1: it's so. Uh, it's just so frustrating because when I imagine what the church could be, and I'm sure what? in some churches is right. That's not to say that all mm-hmm. churches are dysfunctional. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> when I think about the possibilities for Mm -hmm. what the church could be on the topic of love and how revolutionary it could be in the world. And instead we are living through this moment where there is so much hatred. And I love social media. Mm -hmm. You and I, we love Mm -hmm. social media but I can't deny how painful it also is to have the trolls, to read mm-hmm. the news, to be witness, to constantly be a witness to the pain yeah. and the indignity. It's hard.
0: Something you wrote in closely and you were referencing when the rainbow is enough. And yeah. you said, I should be immune by now to all of that.
1: I should be. Im- how am I not immune? How am I not immune to pain? How how straight like why doesn't not being surprised equal not feeling? Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's
2: the
0: same I was (laughs) and it you know what's sad is like this is the most tragic thing and we're cracking up about it. I (laughs) I know. It's like the weirdest paradox of just like I cannot I can't believe this is happening. So I just, this is.
1: (laughs) And I think there is something very profound about our joy. Yeah. And something very deep about our joy.
0: Joy as resistance. You know? Me and Sister Jess Cass talked about that.
1: Do Uh. not get me started on my love for Jess. Do not get me started. Such. This whole podcast will become about her.
0: Jess, are you listening? Are you ready? (laughs) No, but like, that is, that is the thing that I keep coming back to. And I think it's, I'm not going to spoil the end. You need you all the last chapter. Oh, do you just, that's all I'm going to give you of that one, but y'all go read it. If you haven't already pre-ordered it, you jerks or on audible, either one. Um, anyways, we'll save. I'll sit now. Oh my gosh. We need to do one where we like take a RuPaul meme and just put your book next to it and say, now available on iTunes. <laughs> now available on iTunes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're going to get the whole whole queer world up on your book. This is great.
1: Let's do oh it. What if we could
0: get RuPaul to endorse this?
1: Listen, say do this. not. Listen, <laughs> don't get my little hopes all uh, up. Like, stop that. Listen,
0: sometimes I have a uh, dream big. Um, one time. <laughs> One time, my brother told me because, like, I somehow like, I you know, sometimes I call it the favor of the Lord, sometimes I call it dumb luck. Um, but he <laughs> said, like, I'll just be like, I want, like, I want to fund this project, and then it'll just happen because internet, internet people are the best. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Because I know I have friendships with people from all over the country whom I've never yes. met, and yes. I said, like, a couple years ago, I had a friend who, like, uh, an indigenous person living in Nepal. I found out that they needed a well. For their school. I said, Y'all, we need to raise two thousand dollars in two days. Had three thousand in one.
1: Done. Done.
0: And like it's moments like that, I'm just like, I mean, that's church, man.
1: Right? I wish we could have more conversations. I, you know, I am a fan of churches and buildings and belonging to a local community and all that jazz. That's mm-hmm. beautiful and wonderful. But we've been talking about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this new era? In which church exists across geography? Like, yeah. We, yeah who is having that conversation? Because I feel like every time we try, someone is like, oh, but are you part of a local church? Oh, but but are you having coffee with someone?
0: Um, I, I hang out with the hashtag <laughs> facially LGBT and Black Twitter as much as possible. Yes, I am.
1: Right? It's just. I know. I feel like there's a whole conversation all by itself but I am totally in agreement with you. My church right now, my primary church right now mm-hmm. is online. No question. Or is digital. Maybe it's not necessarily like mm-hmm. online, online, but it's through text messages and FaceTime and yeah, like, it is digital.
0: Like group chats have saved my life this year.
1: Listen, listen.
0: Like where I can just come back like, oh my gosh, 214 messages where we talk about either really hard stuff or completely frivolous stuff.
1: Right? Yes. Yes.
0: And it's so good because it's, you know, like, if you don't have, if you're not lucky enough to have that, like, local context or your local church or be committed or, like, you're forsaking the gathering. It's like, listen, like, I have people I gather with, you know, a few times a week, to be honest.
1: Right. And and they're folks who I am honest with. Mm -hmm. When they ask me how I'm feeling, I tell them the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. They are folks who are praying for me. Yes. There are folks who I am praying for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it is such a beautiful community. I, I truthfully don't know what I would do mm-hmm. uh, if I didn't have a, a community that existed beyond mm-hmm. the coffee shop.
0: Yeah. And I think additionally, too, um, I think because of the Internet... I think because there is a larger possibility of dissemination of information yes. because like, you know, we can put this conversation online and someone like across the globe can listen to it and uh, maybe in our own cities. Um, it's, it's, it's moments like this that I am thankful that there is such a thing, like a road to change it up. I just had a, like a brainwave. Um, so I listened to this lecture a few years ago Um. It was actually right. It was actually right before Christmas, and they were doing this whole thing about just like setting the scene for when Jesus was born, and like mm. why it was focusing on the verse. Like, and uh, and when the time came, our Savior came into the world, and it's like mm. what do you mean? I went and went, and like they were unpacking at the appointed time. And the yeah. thing that the lecturer pointed out was uh, there was a common language with with like Greek because of the Romans like conquering. Sure. Uh, so they had. Um, they had a people for who were hungry for change, and then the mm. third thing they had was a way to disseminate the information. There was roads to get I there. I see. And so when I look at our our time, I'm just like, what do we have right now? We have a common language,
1: yes, or
0: Google Translate. Hallelujah.
1: Hello. And
0: then we have a people who are hungry for change, absolutely, and we, and we have a way for this this the gospel to move. And I still believe in the power of a gospel. To,
1: I am about to get all Pentecostal over here. You better stop. I'm serious. Like, <laughs> I'm let me tell you get what. All Pentecostal over here.
2: I'm t-
0: but like, that's the thing. Like, I, I remember the first time I knew I was supposed to be a pastor is when I heard this woman just like get up on stage with a microphone. She was like this, her hands up in the air. She goes, revival, mm. and I was just like. First, like, I, I think about that moment all my life, and that's the word that I keep coming back to, is, like, not revival in the sense of just, like, you know, like, the old problematic southern revivals they had under tents where, like, they're driving out demons and whatnot, but, like, a real, like, what yeah. would it look like to have, like, a Pentecost moment? What would it be yes. like to have a presence of God poured out on God's people and have yes. to wake up to everything?
1: And, and to not have to have the tent. Ooh. to be able to have that in California and New York mm-hmm. and you know like like you're saying like the 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 road is massive mm-hmm. the well, road is massive and we can do it oh revival amen
0: come on amen. and look out for the conference coming next year revival <laughs> Uh, I I just um. Yeah, you're um. I know like we're probably like running short on time. We should probably jump off the phone a little bit because I know you got things to do. But I I can't tell you enough um, how thankful I am for your words, um, for your vulnerability. What is it I wrote in the margins right here? What is this? Hold on, I just saw like a whole bunch of scribbles and I want to see what I said because it might be important. Because I probably said you need to talk about this. Uh, we will have to do another podcast about that one because it's <laughs> When you come out with the second edition, I'm still here.
1: Part two No, just the second book two was like no ri re-
0: No it was like, no nah, really, I'm still here, y'all.
1: No be really. <laughs> I'm still here. Yep, still here. <laughs> oh, just yep, still
0: here. That that'll be a Heaven forbid if that has to we have to have a second book like that. I rebuke that in the Lord's name. Uh, oh,
1: then we can go ahead and have our revival conference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that will be one your people, call,
0: well, your people can call me. I don't have people yet, but we're getting there. Let me tell you what I have. I've been like, out of the shitty season that has been 2018 for me. Like, if I hit rock bottom and the ground cracked open, seeds are sprouting. Like, mm. there's a lot of opportunity, and so I told God, like, at the big at. I had like my little vision, my vision, yes. or, what does they say, visioning or like goal setting, whatever people call it. But I looked at God and I said, okay, here's what I want. I don't want to work in the restaurant any, anymore. Uh, I want to go to school and I don't want to pay for it. And I want to book mm-hmm. due by the end of the year. And oh. two of the three things have happened. So,
2: <gasps> So,
0: um, before we go, can you tell humans on the internet where they can find you and engage with your work and your book yes. and all that
1: stuff? I would love for the humans to go to um, my website, austinchanning.com. Um, there will soon be some goodies to go along with the book mm. uh, because I know people have a hard time sometimes like engaging with content like this. Like, There's a lot in this book. Um, and it can be a lot to get through. You know Are what I'm talking saying? talking
0: about like discussion guides and whatnot?
1: Yeah. <gasps> so we're going to have a little discussion guide. And I'm in the process right now of creating videos where I am interviewing other folks. So we're having a conversation about race. And then you can have a conversation about race. Isn't that so fun?
2: I so am,
0: fun. I've i never been more excited about something. I get really like, jazzed. That's going to be so it. helpful. It is going to
1: be so good.
0: Especially because white people don't know how to talk about it.
1: You know what I'm saying? And that means if you're a person of color who's in a little group discussion, you don't have to explain all the things. Push play on the video. It's automated emotional labor. It. You know what I'm saying? I am uh, so pointing that.
0: <laughs> automated, automated emotional labor.
1: labor. This
0: Okay, this is what we do. Uh, okay, we'll talk about that offline too. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. At. so yes austinchanning.com more things are coming and then all the social medias instagram twitter and facebook come um, hang out with me
0: that was my conversation with the amazing beautiful fantastic lovely magical black woman austin channing brown Honey, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I loved it. I want to do it again sometime. Maybe we can just like kiki on our own. We don't even have to record it. We can just chitty chat. I would love that. So hit me up, girl austin's book i'm still here black dignity and a world made for whiteness is on sale may 15th where fine books are sold and it's currently available for pre-order so if you haven't done that yet what are you doing why are you wasting your time listening to this podcast when you should be pre-ordering that book link is going to be in the show notes so go ahead and grab that you can connect with austin on her website austinchanningbrown.com and across social media at AustinChanning. As per usual, a big fat thank you to all of my supporters on Patreon, especially Sonya Bowen and the 97 other co-conspirators who are contributing to making this podcast and my videos and blogs possible. I uh, I can't thank you guys enough for the support. Um, you guys make the world go around. And if you are someone who's been listening to the podcast for a while or reading the blogs or watching the videos, I would highly suggest go right now to patreon.com slash the Garcia and become a sustaining partner today. Something as little as $1 or $2 a month makes a whole heck of a lot of difference. And I'm telling you, like, it's 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 life-giving to give back. I actually support a couple other creatives out of my own pocket as well because I believe that we got to pay this shit forward, honey. So if you think this work is important, um, if this has been beneficial for you, if you think that we need to have more content like this, more readily available for people, become a sustaining partner. It's as simple as that. You know you want to. You know you, you know that you've needed for a while, too. I, you know, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm about to pull this altar car moment. If you feel in your heart, your heart beating out of your chest right now, that's the Holy Ghost telling you to move, to do something, to contribute. <laughs> Um, and maybe that is the case for you like if the the Holy Ghost has been whispering for you to do something for a while do not deny the Lord I mean you you only reap blessings from following what Jesus is asking you to do alright done talking about that And before I go, just letting you know, I'm going to be at the Wild Goose Festival this summer. That's going to be July 12th. I'm going to be leading a summer camp uh, in June in Silver Springs, Florida. I have all that information on the blog, which is thekevangarcia.com. Connect with me there. Connect with me across social media at thekevangarcia. I think that's everything I've got to say. Yeah, pretty much that's it. So go see your therapist. Drink some water. uh, Call your friends. Um, Go out to dinner this weekend. I think you deserve it. And don't skimp out on the thing you actually want. If you want to order wine and an appetizer, do it because you're worth it, honey. But if that's outside of your means, don't do that. Get that dollar menu realness. There's nothing wrong with doing something cheap that's also a treat. You know what I'm saying? Okay, done talking. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and we'll chitty chat later, boo-boo. Bye. (laughs) Bye.